It has uh, been a while since I've been up here. Uh, I promise I wasn't uh, skipping out or anything. Uh, I had a kid. Uh, yes, thank you. Yes. It's Clayton James Connor. Uh, it's my wife, Polly. Daughter, Ad. Nope. Where's the picture? Oh. Oh, I need a picture. It's all right. There they are. Yep. That's uh, Clayton James. It's kind of messed up, but whatever. By the way, I'm feeling fine. Nobody ever asked about the husband in these things. It's kind of messed up, but whatever. There's another picture of them at our house. Can't really see it. It's all right. I care. That's all that matters. Um, so, hey, earlier this week, it was my off day. It's a great day out. We have this pretty cool little park by our house within walking distance. Uh, it has a little pond. And so, you know what? I had a great plan. I said, I'm going to give Polly, my wife, a little bit of break. Her and Clay can just get a little nap. I'll take the kiddos down to the park. Uh, and we go down there, and my son, uh, daughter, too, love to just throw anything. The kid's got a cannon. Uh, but we're like, all right, we're going to throw some rocks in the pond. That sounds like a great plan. So we're kind of around the water and is here, skipped a rock. And so they're looking for flat rocks, whatever. So the water is here. I'm kind of here getting ready. This is dumb. Uh, I, I pick up a rock, and as I get ready to go, boom! And I turn around, I'm like, what the heck? I had a hat on. Tyler is just eyes wide going, he chucked a rock at my temple. <laughs> By the grace of God, I did not lose an eye. I had seriously had my hat on and it like caught most of the brunt. Otherwise, I would have just passed out, fallen in the lake, probably wouldn't be here. Needless to say, my plan that day was not that I would get hit in the head with a rock. God had other plans for our trip to the lake. A lot of plans. Here's the point. This is true of all of life. You know, you and I make a lot of plans, but you know who makes plans too is God, and sometimes they they don't quite match up. So Proverbs 19 verse 21 says this, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now this is really important for this time of the year because the summer is upon us. One more week of class, you're almost there, you've got finals week, Some of you are taking one, some of you are taking five. God bless you. You're almost there. And the plans, once summer hits, are uh, abounding. You know, some of you are going to start internships like your parents are making you. Some of you are going to go home and look for a job, maybe half-heartedly. You don't really want one, but your parents are making you. It's fine. Some of you are going overseas to do mission work, maybe Japan, uh, maybe someplace in in Europe, maybe South America. Some of you are being camp counselors, Sky Ranch, Canacuck. Uh, young life, probably forgetting some. Some of you are going to stay right here in Columbia. You're going to take class. You're going to get a job. And that's great. Some of you, God bless you, you are almost real people. You're almost going to graduate. You're going to get your real big boy job, big girl job, and off to the world of work. And that's great. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you're doing, regardless about how you feel, making lots of plans, what you're doing, One thing is true. We're all going to be making lots of plans this summer. What job to get? What routines are you going to set? What are you going to do for fun? What movies are you going to watch? What time are you going to get up? What time are you going to go to bed? Who are you going to hang out with? Who are you going to date? What books are you going to read? Who are you going to live with? What are you going to do when you get bored, when you get lonely? There's lots and lots and lots of plans Now, here's the reality. To one degree or another, you and I, we've all got a plan, but here's the deal. So does God. 
God's got a plan for our summer. He cares in God's eyes. As a, there is no such thing as a wasted summer in God's eyes, as a pointless, neutral summer. No such thing. Here's what God wants to do with our summer. He wants to use it in a way that's going to make a lasting impact in his kingdom. You see, he wants to form you and he wants to form me. He wants to form us into people who long to live for his story. This is the story that's found in the Bible. It's the story of God sending the person of Jesus on a rescue mission to redeem and to restore and to make new all of the creation that was broken because of our sin, because of our rebellion. You see, this is a messy, flawed, a nobody, and a group of nobodies, imperfect, messy, flawed people to be the agents, the vehicles of blessing, of change, of restoration to the entire earth. He wants this summer to be a time where we grow in our capacity and our ability and our love and desire to want to get on board with this story. He wants all of us to carve out a space, an area where we live differently from the world around us. So that the people around us, they hear and they experience and they see firsthand the love of God on a daily basis. And as that happens, people get curious. They want to know more. They want to have a confidence in God. They want to come to Veritas. They want to come to a small group. And when people who are not interested in God start getting interested in God, you know who gets the glory? God. He's better than anything else that they have that we have. It makes him look great. But do we want to live for that story? Is that the one we want to live for? Or do we want a smaller one? Do we want a self-centered story that revolves around us? You know, I, I did this. I lived for this story the summer between my freshman and my sophomore year of college. I just joined a fraternity uh, that May, signed Henry Brothers. Um, and the rest of the summer, I was in Columbia with some of my future fraternity brothers. I worked a little bit, but we literally did nothing but hang out all day, get drunk at night, three, four times a week. That's all that I did. I blew it. Because it was all about me. It was small. Never once did it cross my mind to ask, hey, what does God want for this summer? And it's all the more sad because I would have thought of myself as a Christian. You know, I was asking, what's my plan? What can, what's in it for me this summer? Because here's the one thing that I wanted. I wanted acceptance. See, I was coming out of high school. I wasn't popular. I wasn't in the income of being an in signing a fraternity. And in my eyes, this was the promise of popularity. This was the promise of being an insider. And you know what? If I had to make a little bit of moral compromises to get what I wanted, it was worth it. I would start drinking, yeah, once every couple weeks, then once a week, and then pretty soon three or four times a week until that's all I was living for. Self-serving plan. There's a author named David Brooks, uh, he just wrote a book called Road to Character. This is what he says. I love how he put it. Today, there is a culture of people who are shrewd animals, asking and wondering how they can become more aerodynamic in their ascent to the top costs. That one disappointing summer, the top for me was acceptance at all costs. You know, maybe for you, the, the top is a huge paycheck. Respect from coworkers, getting that experience that will set you above and apart 
from your classmates. Maybe the top is literally doing nothing. You're fine with watching Netflix, playing video games, whatever that may be, till 3 a.m. I don't know, but, but you got to ask yourself, what are your plans and why are you doing that? You also got to ask yourself, who do you want to be? Who do we want to be this summer? Do we want to be that aerodynamic and shrewd animal? It's all about finding our way to the top. Or do we want to be Do we want to be a person who furthers God's story? You know, I, I, I wish, every summer comes around, I wish I could go back and get another shot at it in college. I wish. I can't do that, so all I can do is stand up here and tell you what I wish I would have done. So for the rest of the time, I, I want to share four things that if I could go back and do it again, I would do. Now, full disclosure, ready, everybody lower their expectations a little bit, all right? These aren't anything crazy. These aren't anything new. You're going to hear these and go, well, that's it. Womp womp. Didn't sign up for this. It's old, it's old hat. It's nothing new. But I promise, not putting our calendar in there. If we actually commit to doing these things, not say we're going to do it, not putting our calendar and then not do it, but actually do them, we're going to be equipped to live for God's story, not just this summer, not just next semester, not just next year, but in five years when you graduate college, in 10 years when you have a family, in 20, 30, 40 years when you start retirement and have grandkids, you're going to be faithfully walking with Jesus, maybe because of this summer. Who knows what God could do with that? So first, what would I do? I would read my Bible more. I mentioned earlier this story of God choosing a a people for himself and, and getting the attention of others. How do we But how do we know what that looks like? How do we know what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to look different? I mean, can God even tell us that? Well, the answer is yes. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. You see, we know how to be set apart because God tells us what that looks like in the Bible. You know, it's impossible for you and I to know the standard of God's holiness, to know what God really wants if we are not reading the Bible. Not just listening to a sermon. You know, this is because of someone talking about the Bible, but reading it for ourselves. You know, this is because our default mode, we're just, our default mode's chameleons. Chameleons just blend in with the environment around them. They go with the flow. We're tempted to listen to the culture's voice and not God's voice. We're tempted to believe that we're in charge of our lives, that our actions don't affect anybody else but me, that most, the most joy in life will be found when we express ourselves sexually with whomever we want, however it feels good. That's what we're tempted to believe. That's what the culture is telling us right now. Satan loves it. Fictional account C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. It's uh, just a fictional account designed to try and get Christians to pay attention to the schemes that Satan uh, is up to. And so he tells the story of Screwtape, the elder demon who has kind of wormwood, his lower uh, nephew or whatever, who's teaching him the, the ways of how to give advice and tactics on how to keep people from becoming Christians. This is what he says. It's a good line here. You know, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. No, no, no. In reality, our best work is done 
by keeping things out. Mary did not keep things out. This dinner party that Martha, the younger sister of Martha. And in Luke's gospel, we hear about this dinner party that Martha and Mary and her household threw for Jesus. So we pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Great. She's being hospitable. Good. She had a sister called Mary who, catch this, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. If you and your roommates found out that, I don't know, Justin Bieber is coming over and you're hosting a party. I just literally thought of that. I saw Jacob Sullivan. He looks like him. Uh, sort of. If you found out that Justin Bieber, good food, good drink, cleaning, you're hosting, you're inviting lots of people, you're getting good good food, good drink, and you are working your tail off to make sure Justin Bieber has a great time. You know what Mary's doing? She's sitting and doing nothing. Martha is furious with her. She's serving. She's trying to cook food. She's trying to carry the load for two people, and she's fed up. And she goes to Jesus, and this is what she says. Verse 41. She goes to Jesus, says, Why won't you tell Mary, my sister, to do something? Jesus says this to her. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good, which will not be taken away from her. You know why Jesus praised Mary? Because she stopped. It seems like she's doing nothing, but notice Jesus says she chose something. She chose to unplug. She chose to turn her phone off. She chose to take it out of her pocket and set it in another room. Mary saw all that needed doing, but she was drawn to something and someone else. She's actually listening to Jesus. Are are we listening to Jesus? Are you listening to Jesus? When are you going to do it this summer? I can tell you from experience, you think you're busy now. God bless you. You're not. That doesn't mean to be demeaning, but it's intentionally planned. You don't just fall into time to read your Bible. You have to intentionally plan when that is and ruthlessly guard it. Intentionally plan when that is, ruthlessly guard it. Because if not, another meeting, another hangout, another thing you forgot, and you think that you have to get that done, that's always going to crowd it out. Unless you and I intentionally plan and ruthlessly guard time to read our Bible. You know, I'm, I'm empathetic with this question. I've heard it a lot. A lot of students have said, I just don't feel close to God. A lot going on, I just don't feel him anymore. And there's probably lots of reasons that that's true. Quick illustration. In the back of my mind is, I wonder if they're reading their Bibles. Quick illustration. Imagine you go to the the kickoff SEC football game, uh, first game of the year. It's a great game, we win, whatever. You have a friend call you the next day. You say, hey, why didn't Mizzou play yesterday? I said, what are you talking about? I was at the game. She said, no, you weren't. It wasn't on. I drove through Columbia, and I had it on 106.1, the top hit station. No, no football game on. You know what you tell that person? You say, you were on the wrong station. You should have turned it to 103.1. The game was broadcasting loud and clear. You know, you and I, we intentionally, that says physical, we want to listen to the station of entertainment. We want to listen to the station that says Physical appearance is what is best. We want to listen to a station that says it's all about your resume. But you know what? 
God is broadcasting loud and clear, 24-7, 365 in the Bible. Are we listening? We need to listen. When this happens, just like Mary, we're going to be made into citizens of this kingdom with a growing ability, capacity, desire, never perfect, but slowly but surely growing to be able to live for God's story. So really specific application here. The Crossing, which is the church that Veritas is connected to, they have an app. They have links to the the Crossing. It's the church app. Get that app. They have all the sermons. They have links to the blogs, but especially important, they have a Bible reading plan. Either you just go through the New Testament one chapter a day or some other theological foundations one. Get that. We're going to be posting on our Facebook page this summer the chapters from that plan. So get that app. Just start reading a little bit. And I just made my own segue here. How much do you have to read the Bible? Last point under this. You know, I don't know. I don't know how much you have to read because everybody's got different schedules. Everybody's at a different point in their faith. Some people have a greater desire, a greater ability to do it. Here's a good principle. And my son, Tyler, uh, so take mouse bites over dino bites. So a dino bite, Tyler has this uncanny ability to shove an entire piece of pizza in his mouth or an entire peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like I literally think I'm, he's choking. We've got to do the Heimlich. Nope, he's just, just shoving it in. That's fine. That's a dino bite. A dino bite for you this summer might be, hey, you know what? I'm going to read the whole Old Testament. Okay, that's great if you really want to do it. But here's what I would do. I would do the math and I'd realize I need to read eight chapters every single day. I'd maybe get two days in and then life happens. And pretty soon, three days later, I have to read an entire book of the Bible. And I'm like, all right. I'm take Instead, take a mouse bite. Take just a, here you go. Take just a little, oh, do we have the picture? Maybe not. Take just a little bite. Don't do that. It's all right. A little mouse bite. He just take a little mouse bite. Read one book of the Bible this summer. I don't know. Read the book of John. Read the book of Exodus. Slow down. Kind of take a look around in that chapter. Do a little bit. Take a mouse bite over a dino bite. I would have read my Bible more. Another thing I would have done, I would have surrounded myself with, there it is. Is that it? Ah. She's playing with me now. It's all right. I missed it. It's right here. Here it is. No, I'm not there. Okay. She's playing with me now. It's all right. It's all right. Mouse bite over dino bite. Everybody's going to remember that. Good. Here's the second thing I would have done. I would have surrounded myself with more needy people. Here's what I mean by needy people. I mean people who know they need God. They don't just say it to say it, but they live it. They experience it. They feel it. They know they're sinners. They're humble. They're willing to admit that they need others. And really what I'm talking about is I surround myself with Christians, authentic, in Matthew 5, growing Christians. You know, these are people who strive, try to live out Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This hungering, this longing for righteousness takes place in the context of a community, of a body of believers, of Christians. Ephesians 4, we've gone through Ephesians this semester, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, 
Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, lots of people. That's great. Why are they there? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, you and I live for God's stories and will not grow in our desire and our ability to live for God's story, to love Jesus more, to grow in holiness if we're not connected to a group of other Christians. Now, this does not mean that we get into our little holy huddle and that we keep anybody who believes anything different at arm's length. Not at all. Jesus entered into brokenness. He hung out with messy sinners. We're all that way. So I'm not saying don't build any relationship with non-Christians. We need that. But we have to as well have authentic and vulnerable relationships with other Christians. So for this summer, very practically, find another Christian together. Pray for a week over the summer. Figure out a book you want to read together. Pray together. Pray for one another. You know, by the grace of God, you know, after I got out of college, I learned a lot of things after I got out of college. One of them was my roommates. We would have roommate breakfast every Saturday. We'd cook breakfast, hang out, be dudes, but then we'd get real. We'd ask how one another's relationships are going. How's work going? What are you struggling with? How can we pray for you? Speaking as a guy, that's hard to do. Like, we, we would banter all day long, and somebody finally, somebody finally would have to say, all right, let's go. We got to go. Girls, they just do this a little more naturally. So good job, girls. Guys, we got some work to do, but we can get there. Um, find some other Christian. Find somebody else and meet together. If you're around Columbia, this starts at 7. Join a Veritas Summer small group. Starts at 7 p.m. at the Crossing Student Center on June 14th. We'll say that later. You know, it's not going to feel like a, a small group for the rest of the year. It's going to be different people. But you know what? Come. Come and, and not only come and be poured into, but pour into others. Connect with other people. You know, I was talking to a girl. Um, she's graduating. I talked to her this week, and she said something that was really sad. You know, she said her first summer, her roommates were on completely different schedules. She'd go to work. She'd come home. Nobody was there. She'd make dinner for herself. She'd go to bed. She'd get up. She'd wait. There's people. She didn't have anybody. She, didn't, she wasn't able to connect. She was lonely. There's people like that around in this room that will be at these small groups. So connect with someone. Reach out. Last thing under this, if you're going back home for the summer, find other people you know from Veritas. Hang out maybe a couple times a summer. More importantly, go to a church. Go back to your home church. Make sure the gospel is preached and go. Yeah, it's going to be awkward. might be awkward. My home church, the one I went to before the crossing, awkward. A lot of elderly people. I love elderly people. I was the youngest one. It was weird. But the gospel was preached. Another quote from, go for that five, six, ten weeks. It's worth it. Another quote from Screwtape Letters. Screwtape tells Wormwood, work hard on the disappointment or anticlimax, which is certainly coming to the patient, a.k.a. the Christian, during his first few weeks. For if once they get through this initial dryness successfully, they become much less dependent on emotion and therefore much harder that disappointment surely coming. It's coming. Maybe this summer, maybe in a couple of years, maybe when you leave Columbia, it's coming. But guess what? Jesus is there. He's present in the awkwardness and the disappointment and the unmet expectations. And if you and I are more firmly lessened, just like that quote says, we're going to be a lot harder. We're going to be anchored 
more firmly in God's people and better equipped to live out that story and to get others to do the same. I'd surround myself with other needy people. I would have learned more. Gosh, I wish I would have learned more. Luke 2, 52, kind of a funny verse, but really one of my favorites. It says this, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He didn't come out of the womb with a fully formed brain. He had a baby brain. He had to grow. He developed. He learned. He had to memorize scripture. What's that tell us? Out of the universe, born, had to memorize scripture. What's that tell us about what it means to be human, about what it means to be made in his image? Now, you might say, well, I'm not Jesus. Very true. Good point. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But we're made in God's image. Romans 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, there's lots of implications for this verse, but here's what I want us to get. If you're a Christian, in some way, a little bit more every day, we are being made into the image, desire to Jesus. And that at least means that we grow in knowledge, that we have a hunger and a desire to learn. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you need to uh, throw your DVD player in the trash. Not saying you need to cancel your Netflix account. I'm not saying you need to have a bonfire with your Xbox and all your games. No. I am pro Netflix. I watch Netflix, stuff on Netflix. I watch Netflix. What an old person thing to say. Gosh. I watch shows. I watch shows on Netflix. Uh, I, I really like two uh, video games Mario Kart and a Wii Tennis. So anytime you want to lose, come on over. So, what I'm saying, Wii Tennis, you play it, it's careful, it's addicting. Uh, from those things. Don't stop those things, but look, maybe, maybe you go on a diet from those things. Maybe you eat some green stuff it's called the salad. Maybe you start exercising your mind a little bit. What am I talking about? Read some books. Read some books this summer. Again, operate under the mouse bite, not dino bite principle. If you haven't read a book since your junior year of high school, that's fine. Don't tell yourself, I'm going to read seven books this summer. Start with one. Start with one. Read theological books. Read biographies. Read fiction. Uh, my good friend Levi's got some books up here. I don't know if you saw the book table. I'm going to point three out, all right? It's called Devotionally. This has been so good for my soul this semester. It's called The Songs of Jesus. There's a picture up here of what a page looks like. It's a little part of a psalm. And then it's some thoughts from Tim and Kathy Keller and a prayer. Sometimes I spend five minutes in this. Sometimes I spend 20 minutes. It's a little bit every day. We've got this back there. Thank you. Um, this is a book called Far as the Curse is Found. You will ask any staff member. It's on our top five most influential books for us. Our theology, the way we look at ministry and look at the world. This is one of the most influential books for all of us. It talks about... How does the next books, the historical books, the story? How does the first five books relate with the next books, the historical books? How does it fit together? This is a little more advanced. If you want to really stretch yourself this summer, this is for you. Check it out. Last thing, taking God at his word. If you have questions about the Bible, is the Bible true? Is it trustworthy? How can we know what's really there? This is the book for you. It's written by Kevin DeYoung, really good author. 
Go look at something. Go, go buy something. We've got swipers. We've got cash. Check it out. All that to say, part of living for God's story this summer means we are a people committed to learning and growing intellectually. If Jesus grew intellectually and valued wisdom, I don't think we're above that. So cliche to say. Last thing. I wish I would have served more. It's so cliche to say. I told you. But it's true. I wish I would have served more. Mark 8, 34. If anyone would come after me, Jesus speaking, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross back then was essentially saying, take up your electric chair. Take up your lethal injection. The crosses people wear around their neck. Think about wearing an electrocution electric chair around your neck. It's radical. It's a radical statement. He's saying, die to yourself, serve, live for a master. Jesus, Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus was and is the greatest servant of all time. He died for us, for sinners. And he's serving us every single day right now. How much more does he call us to do the same thing? So this summer, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here do chores. If you're going back home, clean the bathroom, clean the kitchen without your parents asking. Do laundry. Make dinner. If you have younger siblings, go around town to all the sporting events. Do that for your parents. Give them a night off. If you've got roommates, clean the sink without complaining. Together. Lovingly, all that. Clean the dishes. Clean the apartment. Grab dinner together. Do the job in your internship that nobody wants to do. And do it without complaining. Do the grocery shopping. Run errands. Here's a crazy one. Sober drive. If you've got friends who you know are going out and they don't have a ride home, sober drive. Say, look, I want you to be safe. I will, I'll do it. Lots of ways to serve. As we close, I'm going to ask one more question. It's the most important question that I've asked tonight. Where do we get the power to do this? We just talked about a great plan, God's plan for your and my summer. But where do we find the strength to actually live this out? A couple weeks ago, uh, again, took my daughter, Adeline. She's four. Took her to a park. And this park had these, uh, if you can see these, kind of the monkey bar uh, things. They, they turn uh, it's kind of like an obstacle course for a kid. Anyway, she's standing there looking up at him. She's too short. She can't get there. She's intimidated. She's kind of defeated, a little bit sad. But she does something so simple. She turns to me and she says, Daddy, help me. You know what I did? I walked over. And then she, oh, and I held her there. She grabbed and she kind of spun. It was awkward. And then she, oh, and then grabbed in the next one. And it took slow. We did this literally 80 times back and forth. But the whole time, I'm just walking with her. I've got her in my arms. Held her the entire way. This is a perfect picture of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. It says this. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You see, God has a plan for our summer. Whether this is your first summer whether you don't have any more summers to go. Without him, we're just a bunch of four-year-olds defeated. We realize we can't. We're overwhelmed. 
we're intimidated, we're defeated, we realize we can't do it. But if we stop and we ask for help, we just say help, God reaches down and he picks us up and he holds us firmly in his grasp. Whoever you are, whatever you're doing, he wants you and he wants me to live for his story this summer. But remember this, remember that he's faithful. Remember that he empowers us to live for his plan this summer and he holds us firmly in his grasp every single minute of our attempt. Remember that. As the worship team, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we make lots and lots of plans. Some of us are really excited about the summer, and that's a great thing. Some of us are dreading the summer. Wherever we are, help us to remember that you have a plan for it. Lord, I pray that, as we saw in that video earlier, we would not waste this summer. We would not live for the story of self, that smaller, unsatisfying, empty story. Lord, would you open our eyes to those for a greater story, your story, one of service and love and grace to those around. We pray that you would get the glory, you would further your kingdom, and God, that you would help us because we need you desperately. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.